When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, we have a bonus episode for you today from the incredible podcast, Women of Impact. I recently sat down with the extraordinary host of the show, who happens to be my wife, Lisa Bilyeu, to talk about how we're approaching the coronavirus quarantine as a couple. So in this episode, you'll learn how to use this extra time together to strengthen your relationship and create meaningful memories. We have more relationship episodes coming, so if you guys like this bad boy, make sure to subscribe to Women of Impact wherever you listen to podcasts. And without further ado... I bring you Women of Impact Relationship Edition. On average, couples spend approximately four hours a day with their other half. But now with us all being quarantined due to the coronavirus, we are now around our partners six times more than what we're used to. A different way of thinking of it is that that's 20 hours more a day, 140 hours more a week, 560 hours more a month, which is basically an extra 280 days a year. Now, according to studies, when somebody's with their spouse, they're twice as happy as they are than when they're without them. They also rate their activities as more meaningful. But I'm guessing this has an asterisk attached and was not conducted during the worst pandemic we've seen in our lifetime. Being confined with your partner was not something we all signed up for. But here we are, all finding ourselves in this unfortunate situation. And so now you have a choice. We all do. Do we just try and suck it up and hope love gets us through? Hope that it doesn't tear us apart? Or do we recognize that this is unknown territory and that if we navigate it together, then we can actually come out the other end even stronger because of it. And so today, guys, I wanted to do a different kind of show. I wanted to do a relationship special with my one and only Mr. Tom Bidu. We have been together for 19 years and have worked together for over 10 of those years. And so we have had many, many, many a day when we have been with each other day in and day out. We have butted heads, argued, disagreed, misstepped, gotten in each other's spaces more times than I can count. And for us to really want to make it work, both personally and professionally, we've had to develop our communication skills various verbal methods, strategies, and rules of engagement of how to act when we are with each other all the time. This not only has contributed to 19 years together, but it has allowed us to be 19 years strong and counting. But the truth is we are all in uncharted waters and trying to navigate the new norm. So today, guys, together, let's explore what it means to be quarantined with your partner and how we can not only avoid relationship pitfalls, but instead how we can use it as the super to our glue to make our bond stick. 
Welcome to Women of Impact Relationship Edition. <laughs> Welcome to the show, baby. Thank you for having me Thank on. you so much for being here. So it's a crazy time. Yes. Um, and there's so many things right now that I think being together in, you know, day in, day out can actually cause some trouble in relationships. We've obviously worked together for a long time now, so we've navigated a lot of these pitfalls that I think people are having. Um, but where I want to start is the real simple, how do you avoid getting annoyed with each other over the small things? That's, that is... <laughs> That is a good question, my friend. It's like you've done this before. Uh, that is really smart as a place to start. So it's an area that I think really trips people up because they're, they've probably thought through a lot of the big things, but they haven't thought a lot about letting things go. And I know we've talked before, probably for the first like six or seven years of our marriage, I just thought I was really good at communication and I wasn't giving you enough credit for how quickly you let things go. Um, so having a rule around it is the first one. So just recognizing as a value that you should hold in a relationship is getting annoyed about the small things is problematic in and of itself. So that doesn't mean that they're not doing something annoying. It means that being annoyed about it doesn't serve you. And so once you have that value and the corresponding rule, I don't allow myself to be annoyed about the small things, right? So you're gonna get that flash of like, oh, that really like winds me up. I did it to you earlier today. And you just let it go. And one, I didn't mean to, to do anything that would annoy you. And then because you have rehearsed so many times to ask yourself that line of questioning, like are they doing it specifically to upset me? No. Okay, well, if they're not doing it to upset me, that doesn't mean that it's not annoying, but it does mean that I have two things going for me. One, I have a value and a rule around not getting annoyed about the small things, and then two, I know that I can rely on the fact that they don't actually intend to be annoying with this thing. So have the value system that being annoyed over something small isn't useful, and then getting really practiced and really good at actually letting it go at a neurochemical level. Because when you, if you feel the annoyance and are pretending, that's very different than letting it go. Mm. And the ability to release and not be annoyed is one of the most powerful things that you can do in a relationship. But how do you do it though, when you're in this environment right now where it's like high stress, right? There are people, because we work together, we understand like how the business is altering as well. But there are some people where in, part, in a partnership and one person's lost their job. Um, and so there's like serious heightened emotion right now. There's the fear, the anxiety. Um, in moments like that with the small things, how do you avoid it from escalating into a massive argument? Because that's really where I think, right, where right now people have just started to be in quarantine together. So like maybe it's a little romantic and maybe it's, you know, cute and you do some fun things. But after a week, after two weeks, after three weeks that it's been like it's been projected, um, it's very dangerous to not necessarily address certain things or to let things go if they still really annoyed you. So how do you avoid getting to that point so that you don't just erupt into, you know, after three weeks, everything's kind of come to a head and then you're like, where did this come from? There, there's just no substitute for doing the work. So I made a, a statement to myself a long time ago, which is there is no performance, there's only practice. So I really hope 
that there's never another pandemic that we need to be practicing for, which almost certainly isn't true, and this probably really is a dress rehearsal for more things to come, but recognizing, oh, cool, like, hey, this is actually fun, so I'll give people an example. Um, we're here by ourselves. We are the entire crew. We are the entire performing duo. Um, there's nobody here but us. And so you spent almost an hour with our tech team over the phone doing like um, FaceTime, showing them the settings on the cameras so you could get it right and all that stuff. And in all of that, it's you're having to go through something that you could get very frustrated by and say, you know, this is so annoying that we're in this quarantine and I'm losing so much time to this and this is taking so much more time and energy. And, you know, this is why we built a team so that we could, you know, spread the responsibilities. And I ended up having to run your teleprompter. And so I thought of it as practice. And that difference between, oh, this isn't performance. This is a chance for me to practice being there for her, supporting her. And then it became fun. It's like, okay, I'm not good at this yet, but I actually want to take this seriously. And I want to try to get good at this, even though it was, I mean, what, 20 minutes is always spent on it. But in the 20 minutes, I shifted my mind from this isn't performing, this is practice. And I want to get good at this. And I'm going to invest in the practice. I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to have fun. And so getting good at something, the, the process of getting good, not being good, right? So people in this quarantine time, you're not going to be good at being quarantined. You've never been quarantined before. So this is your chance to practice getting good at being quarantined. So now it's like, oh yeah, I really didn't do that well, but approach it as practice. So it's not like, oh man, on Monday I really messed up and so that's a whole day of my quarantine performance that was ruined. It's, okay, cool, what can I learn from that? It, there's this weird thing that happens in people's psychology when they feel they've missed an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so this is something you and I talked a lot about. Don't tell me that I've done something wrong when it's too late to change it. Mm -hmm. Tell me when I still have a chance to make good on it. And if people can get in that mindset during the quarantine, yep, you're gonna mess some things up. Yep, you're probably gonna get short with each other because it's really weird, like you talked about in the intro. This is uncharted territory. But if people recognize, okay, I wanna take this seriously, but I wanna have fun practicing to get better at my relationship. And so it's like we're doing this grand social experiment where we're all gonna be around the people that we love like 10x and how do we use this moment to improve and i think if people switch out of performance mode and into practice mode mm. and in this moment learn to be a better spouse learn to be a better parent practice try like see what's working that'll help them do the one thing which you put your finger on which is let go like to just release but when it's performance and it's ego, it's who I am, it's my state of being, I am either good at this or I am bad at this, then people get defensive. But if you can let that go, practice releasing and not being tense, and just judge yourself based on the progress, I think people will be pretty amped at the end. Yeah, but me and you have, um, now we have a very similar mindset. Um, and this situation is affecting each individual person in very different ways. And some people are finding um, super empowerment in it. It's like, okay, what can I do? How can I help the world? How can I improve my life? Now's an opportunity for me to learn. And you have other people who are a mess, get extremely anxious, are frightened, are living in fear. What happens and how do you handle it when you've got those two different people living under the same roof? 
Each of them has to take responsibility for themselves. So you're going to want to support each other. You're going to want to try to help each other. But if I match your energy, then this escalates into madness. So I'm going to give you so much like grace that if you're feeling heightened, I and you will almost certainly bite at me, right? So you're going to be you're nervous, you're, and a lot of people when they're nervous, they become nervous aggressive. Mm. So you might lash out, you might say something, and I have every right to be like, don't take that out of me. Like, why the fuck are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything wrong. But if I do that, then that's gonna further heighten your anxiety. It's gonna increase that sense of overwhelm. So because I have a value system, which I, in our relationship, one of my highest priorities is to lift you up. So it's like, okay, well, cool. She is feeling this way. I'm not gonna judge her for that because that's not gonna help. This is the love of my life. So how can I be useful here? If I give her a ton of grace to, to you know, be annoyed, be scared, be frustrated, lash out, whatever, then at the end of that, I can actually help her de-escalate. But if I match her energy because I have the right to match her energy and be annoyed, then I'm not going to do what I value, which is to lift you up and support you and make you feel better about yourself. So I would try to be, the more agitated you are, the more I'm gonna be loving, the more I'm gonna be relaxed. It's like if you're eating ultra spicy food, you drink milk, right? So you need something that soothes that energy. So I would do that. Like, just because you have the right to be upset doesn't mean that it's going to be useful. Mm. So in the past, we've got into many arguments where we've just butted heads or I'm heightened emotion and I don't feel like I'm necessarily getting what I need from you. And obviously you want to give me what I need and you're not, so you get frustrated. So that, those two frustrations start butting heads. But since then, we've really, um, I think it comes down to being honest about what you're looking for in those moments. And I remember once I was like, I just want you to get annoyed too. Like that episode in Sex in the City where Kerry um, is like, they're buying that apartment next door or whatever. And finally Aiden gets mad. And she's like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Because there is something to feeling like someone gets you. And now that doesn't mean that you don't get me, even if you understand, but there's something about feeling bonded when someone feels that same feeling. <clears throat> Let me do. tell you right now, if that feeling is fear and anxiety, Leaning in for the other partner to match them there is a horrific idea. Correct. And what I was going to say is, in the past, I don't know if you remember us having this discussion. Oh, very and, much and so. And you even said but to But I'll me, say it's around one emotion, righteous indignation. Explain. Outside of that, like when you feel that the world is unjust and somebody's doing something they shouldn't and it should not be this way, then... A hundred percent. So if the person were saying, I can't believe that, you know, testing isn't being done more rapidly. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they're not testing. Matching that righteous indignation. Yeah. I get it. Makes the person feel understood and connected. But if the person is like, this is all going to shit. We're not going to be able to pay rent. Like, don't fucking join them there. That would be a catastrophic idea. And we had that discussion where you're like, I totally understand. And we kind of almost separated the two and being like, I understand why you actually want to feel like, yes, that is shitty. And I remember also you saying, but when there are certain times, I'm not going to lean into it because it only like solidifies that feeling versus it's like you have a different perspective and you are a common effect in my life. But what? I really, really want 
to make sure you and everybody else understands they've got to tease out the difference between righteous indignation, which sometimes I won't match you at, mm -hmm. and all the examples that you're giving are that. Where, yes, even with righteous indignation, sometimes I'm not going to meet you there. Mm -hmm. It is not a winning strategy. I'm just saying as a blanket statement, meeting somebody in fear and anxiety is always a losing strategy. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools. Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Right. And I'm saying I totally understand. You have to talk about it because me and you have gone through it. We've spoken about like, okay, this actually upsets me when I don't feel like you're, you're supporting me. And you have said, explain to me either why or we've just given each other um, a breakdown of where we're coming from and what that effect and feeling is. I'm not much of an anxious person, but we have broken down when it seems like, for instance, I'm being, in the past, I've been irrational, okay? And you've said, hey, you're being irrational because I'll be like all upset that you haven't supported me. And like, I haven't supported you because you're irrational. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. And that's my point is that explaining that you still support them, that you still love them, but you won't match that energy because it's not good for them. And once we had that discussion, when I was emotionally sober and I could hear it, it really sank in. And it's like, huh, yeah, you actually realize that when you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, you do not want someone to pour fuel on that. You actually want someone else, like you said, with the milk to actually bring you down and calm you down. But you have to have that discussion because I really do remember feeling like you weren't supporting me and that wasn't the case. Word. Um, I'm really curious because listening to you, I, I don't feel that our disconnect was ever over, hey, you're not understanding me with the fear, anxiety. And so I think your point around that was, well, it's articulating the why you're not matching them. On that, I will say, really understanding the concept of emotional sobriety is gonna be very important because I fear that somebody listening to what you just said goes, oh, cool, I'm gonna tell my wife when she's being irrational, hey, you're being irrational. And that would be a losing strategy. <laughs> uh, so the notion of emotional sobriety is, there are times where people are, they're, they're neutral. They're, um, they're not upset about anything. They're very open to feedback. And in those moments to give somebody an explanation that's logical will work. It's not super useful to give somebody a logical argument when they're really in an emotional state. Um, so you do have to pick and choose your times. Yeah. Um, okay, well, picking and choosing your times, how do you know when's a good time? Because right now it's like, if we butt heads, we have space right you can go off do thing talk to your friends hang out with your friends whatever and then come back with emotional sobriety now people don't have that space to do that um, oh but they do oh go on so here's my big fear people aren't taking responsibility for themselves and like we're in a hard situation there's no question about that but if people lean into that, like they're not going to get where they want to go. We are in the situation that we're in. You are locked in. So right now, if one, people should take selfish time. Two, the space that you need, you don't need anything more than a pair of headphones and um, darkness would be my preference. Some people want to look out the window or whatever. But if you have darkness and headphones, you can isolate yourself completely because creating a headspace of calm and separation mm -hmm. is gonna be really important because always having somebody in your space, like human animals are a social creature. We bond very well, we connect very well, but we also need alone time. And you can get alone time in a crowded room full of people. I I've done this. Like I'm, going, I'm about to speak, I'm in a room full of fucking people and I can just, put headphones in and I personally listen to the sound of 
a thunderstorm. It's just very soothing for me for whatever reason. Listen to the beach, crickets, like whatever your thing is. You can certainly do it with silence as well, but I would say that's a little more advanced. It's easier if you have a natural sound playing to sort of drown out other things. And take that time, take a warm shower, take a warm bath, like mm-hmm. whatever you find your thing. Literally go get in your bed, pull the covers over your head. Like whatever you need to do to isolate your mind space will go a very, very long way. But people have to do the work. Like you can't just say, I'm in a 700 square foot apartment, I have three kids and a husband and I'm going fucking crazy. It's like, that's real. But what are you doing about it? Like now's the time, download fucking Calm or Headspace or something. There are so many free guided meditations on YouTube. Try it, don't reject it out of hand. Like you, you have to put in the work. You have to go out of your way to find out, read a book. Like what's your thing? The, the number of things that I would try before I would just throw up my hands. And that's the thing, like if I could go and strangle myself at 22 and be like, how many things have you really tried? Like you're throwing your hands up, you're giving up on X, Y, Z. As Seth Godin says, show me your bad writing. Oh, you don't know how to write? Show me your bad writing. Like until you've done 10,000 pages of bad writing, don't tell me that you don't know how to write. Mm. Until you've tried 10,000 things to create that space for yourself, don't tell me you don't know how to do it. Until you've clocked 200 hours trying to meditate, don't say you don't know how to meditate. It's like, I want to give people a pill. That would be amazing and more people would do it. But the reality is you have to do fucking work. And that's what I go back to. Fall in love with the joy of practice. This isn't performance. You get to practice not going crazy in a very small confined space with a bunch of people. Hey, but literally this is what I do. I flip a switch and go, oh, this is actually amazing. And because I flip my mind there, I'm going to see things other people won't see because they're focused on the problem and they don't demand of themselves to try like all these ah until you find one that works. The first 20, 30, 50, 100 things you might try might not work. But as long as it doesn't violate the laws of physics, there is an answer. But you you have to hold yourself accountable to finding it. I love that so much. But what do you do if it's not even you that's in that headspace? What if it is your partner? So this is the most frustrating thing in the known universe, which is to be in a relationship, to be willing to do all the work in the world, and the other person is not. They don't value it, they don't wanna do the work, whatever the case may be. Now, here is the bad news. You can't make them, but you can make that really enticing. And so, I've heard it said, I don't remember by who, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, but if you focus on making them thirsty, everything takes care of itself. And I thought that is brilliant. So the goal here would be for the partner who is willing to do the work to make it very enticing for the other person to want to do the work. Mm. So I would start by asking a few simple questions. Hey, we are stuck here, yes, yes. This would be more fun if we can find it, find like a way for us to really enjoy this, yes? Yes, perfect. Um, I think there are some things that we could do that'll really make this enjoyable. How do we gamify this? Or how do we have some fun with this? What's the angle? Like, how do you want to do? Like, what does your ideal day look like? How do you want to like work together? And here's what I want to do. And if they go, 
hey, let's come up with some ways to make this fun. Like, what would that look for, like for you? What would you want to do? And when you start asking these questions, mm -hmm. there's going to be a dozen times where you can insert a rule of engagement or something that's playful, even just shifting people out of the mindset of, oh, this sucks, and like into, how would we make this fun? Like, you know, in business, we play the no bullshit, what would it take? So, all right, here's this crazy thing. Nobody believes that it can be done, but hey, just humor me for a second. Come on, come on. No bullshit, what would it take to build the next Disney or whatever? That just seems there's no way. But okay, well, if we had to do it, we would X, Y, Z. That shifts you out of problem mode and into problem solving mode. And once, if you can get the other person into problem solving mode in a way that's fun, now you're just in a different headspace and the odds of you being able to pull something off go up exponentially. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, when I think about, so we've been doing baths or taking baths on the weekends during quarantine. Um, because I like to associate things with a pleasure, like something nice, something fun, something, and it, I think it needs to be something different so that it really sticks in my mind. Because there will be one day, I mean, we've been together for 19 years and in another 19 or 20 years, there'll be a time where we're telling people, do you remember when we were quarantined? Mm. And what do you want that story to be? And in my head, I've already played that scenario out. It's like, oh, well, do you remember, babe, we used to take baths every, you know, Wookiee, always try to get in the bath. like really leaning into creating a narrative because we're always about story, right? What is a narrative that you tell yourself um, about your life, about your past, about your childhood? About the quarantine. About the quarantine, exactly. And so I'm deliberately writing my quarantine script in real time. It's really smart. And I'm doing it deliberately. And so like there are things like that that I think anyone can do to really like force, in essence, like a memory that you know is going to be fun and then once one of you has that fun spirit it really does i think become infectious mm. pun intended or not intended um, but it really does and i think that things like that um, are important to be aware of instead of spending every day just trying to get through it so that you can then be released into the world again if you know mm. yeah that I, I just want to take a second to say that is so brilliant to be consciously aware you're writing the script of how to think about the, um, the quarantine because it's putting you in sort of a, like you're in the present but looking back on it almost as if it were the past and how do I want this to be remembered? That'll make people really aware about how they spend the time, how they think about um, creating special moments or like, hey, I really want this to be positive. What would need to be true? So that in five years, I look back mm. on this fondly, you know what I mean? And obviously like people have to be safe and we're not in any way, shape or form diminishing like the severity of this. Like Why? we take this very seriously. We um, had our employees work from home almost eight or nine days ahead of the curve. Like we're, we take it very, very seriously. Um, but at the same time, to fail to look for the opportunities to frame it positively, to make it as enjoyable as it can is a missed opportunity. And I think, you know, it's like everything in life if you think of it as phases, and it, it would be very easy to say, oh, when we were poor, that was a worse phase now that we have generated wealth. But the reality is there were parts that were better then, right? And there are certainly parts that are better now. But when we were poor, we actually said, hey, remember this time because you will miss this aspect of it. And um, when a company is small, for instance, like there's just an intimacy that while you're scrambling and you're not sure if you're going to be in business the following day, 
Like that intimacy is beautiful and to fail to enjoy that would be a mistake. When you get big, you lose that intimacy, but you have so much more power and to fail to enjoy like, whoa, we can really shift culture, like that would be a mistake. So the quarantine clearly has a downside, but it also has an upside. And so telling yourself consciously what the narrative is going to be and then act in accordance with it, that's really smart. Thank you. Um, uh, What do you think about issues that couples have that now become even more heightened because you're in that space. So me and you really do work at issues in real time. Um, We try definitely not to let any dust settle and let things linger. We try and address issues and problems as they Do you want to tell people what you mean by dust settling? Um, Yes. So dust settling is like when you clean a surface and the bit of dust um, falls on it. It's like, eh, it's not a big deal. If you let it go and you don't clean then that dust gets thicker and thicker and then it really embeds it into its crevices and sometimes it's like almost impossible to clean that's kind of like how we are with arguments or problems it's like don't let it settle always address it so that it never becomes too big of an issue to get through um so what do you do though if you're in a relationship right now where you're trying to work through a problem and it's just like you just it's so much more heightened because, like I was saying, you don't get the space to be by yourself, to maybe hang out with your friends. Because actually there was a study, God, I wish I had it on hand, but there was a study of how, you know, um, women actually want to be face-to-face with their girlfriends um, because it fits and fills a per- certain part of their personality and their needs and wants that a male partner cannot do. And I actually get that. Um but what if now you can't get that um, and you're in this environment that it just almost escalates more? Well, first of all, I would say don't rule out how powerful a Skype call can be or a FaceTime. It, it really has impact. Um, so if you have a very special group of friends and now you can only connect with them virtually, I would say that still has tremendous benefit. So people need to first understand what are the things that really matter to you? Write them down. So often people just steer by feeling. I don't feel right. Something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I'm going crazy. I'm stir crazy. Ah. But in reality, it's not necessarily the space. It could be I'm not connecting. There's a, a part of what I need that I'm not getting right now because, oh, because I haven't talked to my mom or because I have this group of girlfriends and we're not able to bond or you know, whatever the case may be, I, I need that alone time. Okay, well, now we need to start mapping it out, right? So if, for instance, bath time was alone time for me, and oh my God, I just, I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread here, and thank God I have my warm showers, and then my partner comes along and is like, hey, I've got a quarantine idea, let's do bath time. And now you're like, whoa, the one thing that I had mm-hmm. for myself. But once you understand yourself, you can articulate it to the other person. But if you don't understand yourself, if you don't do the work, Like, because there's even sort of don't let the dust settle in your own mind. If you're getting agitated, you have got to figure out why. Mm -hmm. Like, you've really got to get to the root cause of what is bothering you. You cannot stop at the emotional level. So one insight that might be useful for people is emotions are the language of the subconscious. So your subconscious is trying to tell you something. So because the subconscious can process data faster and vaster than the conscious mind, 
It can't use words to articulate. Words is the language of the conscious mind. So once you understand, oh, I'm having this feeling because my subconscious is trying to tell me something. Now you have to pull that up into the conscious mind, put words around it, figure out what is this exactly. And usually the first thing that comes to mind isn't the real thing. So the biggest argument we ever got in was over a cup of tea, or so we thought. And so we're arguing and arguing, freaking out, we're halfway to a vacation destination. I actually turn around on the freeway. I'm like, I'm going home. This is ruined. This is miserable. And it's all about a cup of tea. So it was like, finally, as I'm driving, I'm like, there's no, this isn't about the tea. And once I realized, what is this about? And I could articulate why I was upset about the tea and actually put words around it. And then you could articulate what the tea represented to you. Then I was like, oh my God, we're really arguing about this and this. These things are big and they're worth discussing. Mm. The tea was moronic. And so because everything was happening at the level of the tea, the other person just seemed absurd. It's like, you're actually this upset about tea? So getting to what's underlying, even when you're by yourself, like, mm, I'm having, person's really agitating me right now, why? And if you get to that, get past the, because they're agitating, because they're annoying, and get to why that thing triggers you, then you can make progress. All right, so what if um, the other person is really irritated and frustrated and annoying? How do you engage that conversation without winding them up even more? Hey, I, I see that you're agitated. So first of all, I want you to know I love you beyond all reason and measure. And I'm actually willing to accept that I'm doing something that is worthy of agitation. But I promise I'm, I'm actually not doing it on purpose. And it would be extraordinarily helpful. I'm totally, my defenses are lowered. Whatever you need to tell me, I'm super open to hearing that. Um, but I would like to understand what it is that I'm doing that's agitating you so I can change gears or handle things differently. Um, and by the way, that is exactly the words I would use. I literally was like, I think you've actually said that yes, whole that, thing that, to me that once. That is how people have to articulate this stuff. You have to be calm. You have to actually get to the core of it. You actually have to lower your defenses, right? Because they're going to say something. And the chances are you really are doing something worthy of agitation. Mm. But you don't mean it. So it's like, okay, you're going to have to take your lump. You're doing something. You're being blind to something even if you're not being quote unquote insensitive but it's like you are failing to sense the cause of the irritation so as an investment in the future of our relationship and our trust and everything i'm going to lower my defenses i won't if you tell me what's really bothering you i'm not going to lash out i'm going to thank you for that even if it's hard even if i disagree by the way i'm going to thank you for removing a blind spot. Okay, now I get how this thing affects you. I may not agree that you should be affected that way, but you've removed a blind spot. I now know how this thing affects you. Um, and then you can talk through it. You can process through and figure out, like, do I need to change my behavior? Do I have a key piece of information that I can give you to interpret my behavior, not from your perspective, but from mine? And then because I'm always about communicate not in a way that you find satisfying, communicate in a way that's actually effective where the person can hear what you intend. Now, if you intend something and they're getting it exactly as you mean it and it still pisses them off, that's a whole nother thing. And, and that really may be like we have had those arguments where I'm like, I completely understand what you're saying. I get from your perspective why you feel that way. I don't agree. It's a collision of values. I'm not going to change my position. Uh, so now we have to decide how do we deal with this collision of values and 
Now we have to come up with a rule of engagement, which is a term that we use a lot for how we coexist、mm-hmm. with the different value system.、Um, yeah, but also I want to go、um, talk about giving each other the grace. We kind of touched on it earlier, but giving each other grace. Like if one of you is feeling super emotional, and、um, giving each other the grace that if they snap at you, that it doesn't. Mean that they don't like you, or it's a reflection of you. You have to understand where they're coming from,、um, and then over time, like if it's just okay, you've given grace a lot to then speak to that person, be very honest, and that's one thing we do. It's like, hey, look, I know you didn't mean to snap at me, but it's getting a little much. Like, what can I do to help so that we can eliminate? You acting like this because it's only going to go down. It's only going to get worse,、mm-hmm. not get better. So what can we do together and not making the other person feel bad about snapping, but letting them know we're in it as a team. But this has to stop. So right now, people are stuck inside with their other halves. Some of people are thinking like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! I get to see my partner more." Others are ready to wring each other's necks. Um, what is like the one encompassing thing that all couples can immediately do right now together、um, in order to get through this? And I don't just want to say like survive it, but to actually use it as a way of getting stronger together、um, instead of like just endure it. One, flip your mindset. This is rad. Like just say it. This is rad. I'm so excited. Even if you don't believe it, it will do something to your mind. This is rad. There's an opportunity here. I know it. We just have to find the opportunity. I cannot tell you how often I use that strategy. I just immediately default to this is rad. This is the best thing that's ever happened. And then I'll go, how is this the best thing? <laughs> like, and then I'll find like, oh, actually, this is really powerful. Actually, this is this is amazing. But it it just started as a counterpunch, right? So world. Fucking pops me in the mouth. My nose is bleeding. I lost a tooth, and I'm like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> and that's my counterpunch because now I'm like, I'm going to figure out why this is amazing, and it is startling how effective that is. The second thing that people probably aren't putting enough time and consideration into is do fun shit, like actually do shit that's fun. So I'm actually taking more time in the evenings to spend with you than I ever would. During the week, because I'm like, this is going to be the best time ever. This is going to be the most fun. I'm going to look back and be like, yo, the quarantine. When's it coming back? <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Like, really have fun with it. Like, find a way to make it exceptional. And then the third thing, that's because that's all group stuff. The third thing is,、um, take selfish time. Like, can you explain a little what that is? Yeah. So somehow the word selfish has become like a bad word. Like, oh my god, to be selfish is terrible. And you see these mothers drive themselves into the fucking ground, literally an early grave, because they are just always living for other people. And I get it. The impulse is noble. It is beautiful. When you're the recipient of that kind of care, it is unbelievable. But it you for your own sanity. To love your life, you must take some time that's just selfish. Selfish, not oh, this is for the family and therefore it's selfish. Selfish for you, just you, whatever that is. A bubble bath, read a book,、um, fucking watch a movie that nobody else in your family likes or wants to watch. Schedule time. I get Netflix from this time to this time, whatever. And like you watch shows that are like having my fingernails ripped out. But hey. It's your selfish time. You know what I mean. And if I want to join you for some of that, like I'll be the first to admit. Sometimes when you watch Jersey Shore, I join you for that. <laughs> yes, you do. Right? But it's not something I would pick on my own. 
But like, okay, cool. Like that's fun enough sometimes. With no judgment, actually. I just want to add that because that's so important. If you're taking selfish time, if you kept coming in and I was watching Jersey Shore and you kept coming in and, and you're like, heckle. and heckled me, it's like, it just, even if you're trying to be playful, eventually, especially when people are quarantined and you get that day in and day out, that will start to really, um, I think, upset people and rub each other the wrong way. And that's how, going back to the very first question I asked you, that's how you end up getting into silly little arguments because something's rubbing you the wrong way, you're not quite sure why, and it comes out in other ways truth no man not at all that's genius um so yeah and and some people selfish time really may be i need to be alone not another human making any noise um i know for me i love that i have a very strong imagination so to be in my imagination and to let that roam or to meditate whatever is deeply cathartic um you know so for people to find that space to do that thing um i think is really important mm. Word. We could go on forever, Billy. Thank you so much for joining us. Dude, this this was fun. Uh, we used to do relationship theory, we did. which if you search, you can still find uh, on YouTube. But yeah, this was fun. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this very special edition. If you're not following this man, follow him at Tom Billy. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billy. And guys, if you're not subscribed to this channel, click that subscribe button. And if you want to see more episodes with my other half, let us know in that comments below because then I can screenshot it and I can send it to him and I can show him why people want more of him on the show. Um, but until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with my lovely, beautiful, amazing wife, Lisa Bilyeu. Make sure to subscribe to Women of Impact wherever you listen to podcasts for more of her amazing interviews. Hope you guys are staying safe and healthy in this time. And until we meet again, my friends, take care and be legendary.